0: You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because there is a more freeing way to be fit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. This is Stephanie. And we are just going to jump right in it today because I am so, so, so excited to bring you this conversation that I had with Jess Demasi from Holy Healed and we talk about what it means to be in tune with your body and we dig into the recommendations that Jess has around the types of exercise that are best for women and what not to what like what kinds of exercises maybe aren't the best in terms of a biological standpoint and it's just really amazing so let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about Jess Jess is a certified eating psychology coach specializing in functional endocrinology and mind-body nutrition. She empowers women in their quest to wholeness through healing solutions rooted in integrative care. You'll often find her lifting heavy things in the gym, trying to pet strangers' dogs, or writing some sass-filled hashtag hormone hacks on Instagram. She is passionate about helping women heal their hormones, break free of restrictive dieting, and feel at home in their bodies. And here is my conversation with Jess. Okay. Hi, Jess. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really excited that we finally got this chance to connect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have been following you for a little while and I read this blog post that we're going to talk about today and then saw one of your Instagram live stories and was like, I have to have her on the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love your philosophy of intuitive
1: movement. I love your post. I love it. So I'm very, very honored to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yay. Um, well, first I was telling um, everyone that I was going to start having guests on. So you're my first guest. <laughs> yes. Woo! That's amazing. I know. So I'm really excited. And really, I wanted to start off with you and your story and kind of how you've gotten to be where you're at today and you know I love hearing about where these passions come from so if you want to start there we'll just we'll just kind of go from that <laughs> okay that's such a great question so
1: um where to start so to be honest I actually <laughs> I grew up in the performance industry, so I thought I was going to be an actor for like the rest of my life, which is something I never talk about, but that's actually where most of my life's dreams and years are dedicated to. And then when I went to college, I... Really developed which had been brewing for a very long time and eating disorder and My whole life kind of shifted because in my recovery process I had all the realizations, you know, I started looking into diet culture What even was that right? So that was just culture to us. That was that was the norm but then I started realizing oh well, this is really fucked up and Overexercising and my hormones were a mess and I was just a complete and utter mess um to go into a little bit more detail my adrenals were in the tank I'd been over-exercising at that point for years and underfueling my body. So my progesterone was in the tank. Um, I developed hypothyroidism. So I was I was experiencing a lot of physical ailments from the restriction, from the obsessive, compulsive tendencies I had around food. And I stopped in my recovery process. I was seeing, you know, a therapist, and I was thinking, like, okay, but what about my body? You know, but what about all of the hormonal issues that I'm experiencing? What about that? You know I'm, I'm working on my relationship with food, but I'm physically feeling the consequences of my disordered mentality, of my unhealthy relationship with food. And I didn't really feel like there was a cohesive person I could go to that thought about both. The therapist would just say, "Oh, you should probably go to an endocrinologist for that. oh you pro- probably should go to the doctor for that." And that just didn't really sit well with me. so um, as an undergrad, I was a psych major and I spent, I emphasized in neuropsychology. So I, there was a lot of brain stuff, lots, lots of brain stuff, <laughs> and I loved it. And a lot of people don't realize that um, in your endocrine system, like all the hormones, it starts from your brain, right? The brain signals everything. And so that gave me a little insight into what I wanted to study. And then when I graduated, I started my certification for to become a certified eating psychology coach. And so that was when I studied a lot more of the stress physiology, you know, how our thoughts, how literally what we're thinking can impact the way that we digest food. It can impact our hormones. It can impact, you know, how that food is then used in the body. And it was just such a beautiful blending of psychology and physiology. And I was all about it. And then I went on to work under functional endocrinologists to get a lot more specified training into hormones specifically. And Once that happened, I mean, like starting Holy Heal was a very natural progression for me. I just thought, you know, I looked around and I thought there is not what I could see. There's not enough sources of health information for women that aren't dripping in diet culture or weight loss. Like they've become synonymous. Like you can't just get science-based good health information that has nothing to do with making your waist smaller, or losing body fat. And I was just like, it's such a bullshit. It's just such bullshit, especially when we find out that that's not only not true, but it's damaging to a lot of people's mind and their body and their hormones, not to mention. So Holy Healed is really born out of a need of what I didn't see happening. And it's been incredible because even on this journey, I've actually met and connected with a lot of people That are on the same mission which i never would have done and so it's really incredible for me to kind of peek and be like oh there's a lot more soldiers on the field like there's a lot more people here and i love that um so that's really that was that's my journey about how i got started and why i created holy healed and it's just been kind of building ever since and i love it i love the mission i I stand by it and it's so much more than health it's about empowering women really that's what it is at its foundational basis because Um, I am a huge believer as I say this all the time a body filled with truth Is a lot harder to be broken by lies and I just feel like as women We're constantly being bombarded by lies everywhere about health about our bodies about body image about our worth And so my job Is to help women become rooted in their worth and make decisions out of that And that that, that's everything from exercise to food to life decisions, you know, that's that's what I do So it's really amazing and I love it and I feel honored to be in this sphere of work.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so many things that you said, I was just like, <laughs> Oh my God. Cause that's totally like, that's kind of where everything that I'm doing is rooted out of as well, where it's totally. like, there's so much worth connected for women, mm. especially mm-hmm. in the weight and totally. in the size. And totally. so everything that is d- done is sort of like based off that mission of trying to get there. And so if we can somehow form this, this new mindset around moving your body and eating and feeling, Mm -hmm. and just coming from an internal place rather than this external stuff, I think, man, hold, like we can, (laughs)
1: that makes me so excited. No, no, it's, it's very, very true. I mean, if you think about it, We as women find our worth in the way that we look and now, you know, weight and health have become synonymous. So now it's like this, this chain of worth, weight, health. So when you're talking to a woman about health, you can't help but talk to them about weight and you can't help but talk to them about worth. It's all connected. So really, if you're in the health movement industry at all, if you're missing the whole worth component and the body image component, you're missing it. You know, I think you're missing the, the big
0: picture. Totally. So, yeah And that's, I think too, where it's like, that comes up, like, how do you define health? You know, exactly. because exactly like the worth piece of it is stuck in there as well. And so you're like, yeah, I'm exercising. This is why I'm really excited to dig into your blog post but it's like, yeah, I'm exercising, but it's like, what is the true reason? Is it to be smaller or to be this certain size, or is it truly specifically for, I want to feel good in my body and totally. do this for my body? Totally. So yes, I totally agree with everything. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so your blog post that I really wanted to talk about and dig into a little bit more today was all about the, like um, the best and worst types of exercises for mm-hmm. women specifically. Yeah. And me, I, I have gotten my degree or not degree, but my certification and personal training and, yeah. They don't talk about those specifics. And I love how you combine those two things. And so, and just so much of what you said, I'm like, yes, because (laughs) my whole movement, intuitive movement piece is all about, well, what do you enjoy? Like, Mm. do you find enjoyment in this movement? And if not, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. So let's start. Where is my first question here? So, okay. I'm going to read this here because I love um, this, this piece. So one thing you say is we use harsh shame riddle tactics to move our bodies and see it as something we are doing to our bodies, not for them. Mm-hmm. So can you dig into that a little bit more and yeah. talk, talk about your feelings around that? Because I think this is really important. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So I feel like when it comes to exercise, the biggest thing we've missed is we, in general, I think that women have become separate from our bodies. And that's where actually the whole name of Holy Heels came from, because I saw women that were segregated, you know, they viewed their bodies as the enemy. They talked about their bodies, like they were separate from them. Oh, my body's not doing this, or God, I just want to make it like this. They were just these extraneous things that were causing us harm. And that applies to exercise. And And when we're not integrated in ourselves we look at exercise as something we do to our body and the ironic thing is actually it's something your body does that's that that's what it does right your body is exercising your body's doing this movement and not only that but you do it for your body and unfortunately when you approach exercise as something that you do to your body almost always almost always usually you are trying to manipulate the way it looks that's mm-hmm. what i find yeah. trying to manipulate the way it looks and often that's where I see a lot of the hormonal issues come up from over-exercising. Because you're not looking at yourself as an integrative being, which means you think that you can whip and manipulate and overwork your body. Because again, it's not you. It's this extraneous thing. You're not, you're not, you're not integrated. And you don't recognize your limits. You're not in tune enough with when you've had enough, with what you feel like doing, what's with what's not working for your body at that time. And there is no awareness. There's no awareness. So you can't you can't move intuitively. You don't even know what that means. You don't even know what it means to be aware with your own body in general because to you, you're not integrated with it. So I think the shame component is obviously very present. I think in all of us, all of us have been there. I don't know if you've been there. I've definitely been there. I've definitely looked at exercise as something that I want to do purely for the sake of manipulating my body shape. Yep. And it's so interesting to me because I do, I define this in the post, but exercise is literally something that requires physical effort that brings a helpful adaptation to your body. Right. Yes. And when you look at it that way, it's literally everything. It's everything. It's not quote unquote working out. you know, you don't even have to go to the gym. You don't have to segregate it. It's everything in your life. Again, there's that segregation. And I just, I think that's so we miss that. And I think it comes from a root of being segregated. I know I keep saying that, but that's where really I come from. It's like, we have not integrated our full selves. And so exercise is this one thing that's segregated into a component. And the way our body looks is this one thing And, and our mind and our mental health is this one thing. And they're all, they're all separate. And that's it. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that. No.
0: I <laughs> No, I think that's so great because that's that's really what helped me heal my relationship with exercise and food was finding movement that I was doing purely because I enjoyed the movement, not because I was trying to change my body or because, you know, like I was I was like I was really into triathlons. Oh, okay, yeah. That was like my obsessiveness and where totally. sort of it all rooted from. And so I not to say like doing triathlons are bad, but for me no, no, in my no. head that like the root reason of doing them was to prove myself and mm. to change my body to look that way. Totally. And so when I started skiing and mountain biking and rock climbing and all of these other sports, it became more of a like, um, I'm doing this purely because mm. it's so great. So let's talk about that a little bit. And and because you say it's literally everything. So like dancing, like you talk about. Yeah. Yeah, talk oh, about all yes. these
1: things. So let's. Oh my gosh, yes. Talk about that. <laughs> my favorite form of exercise is and always will be dancing. Yes. Always and forever. <laughs> and people don't get. That. I'm like, I've had conversations with my clients. I'm like, I just don't like going to the gym. I'm like, cool, don't go to the gym. Yeah. You could never step foot in a gym and still have a beautiful, fulfilling exercise life. You know, like you really could. I there have been moments, at least, you know, when I was recovering and I, I didn't step foot in a gym for years because it was just triggering and I hated it and I just didn't want to do it. I would turn on music on my iPod and by myself and my roommates go away. And I would have <laughs> dance parties with myself for like 30, 40 minutes. I would just go ham and it was so fun. And it's like you're moving your body, you're in a way that's 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 kind to yourself because you're having fun and the joy is there and you're also, you know, you're getting your heart rate up and you're moving and it's just exercise is everything and people yep. don't get that. You go on a walk with your dog, you know. And I can't even think of... We, I'm not as creative, but people have told me like, oh, I do, I do this. And I'm like, dude, that's like a weird thing, but that's hella exercise. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, <absolutely. laughs> like, seriously, like, cool. Like, do that. You know, people love... Like, even when I go to the beach and I'm swimming in the ocean, exercise. And yes. I'm, just, I'm just out there having a beach day. And that's movement, you know? Yeah. People, like... I don't know how you clean the house, but when I clean the house, it's... What? That's exor- like <laughs> legit exercise. You guys, you're on your hands and knees, you're moving, like you're carrying stuff. I just... Our bodies are designed to quote unquote exercise, but what they're really doing is they're just moving. They're yes. just moving and bodies are designed to move. And unfortunately, exercise or working out are these, are these terms that we use. And in our mind, we think that they are these segregated times that you cut out to do specific movements that look specifically like this for the purpose of making your body look specifically like this. And that's just not the case. Um, I also mentioned this on my post, but something I think like as a side note that has to do with this is we see people with certain bodies and we think I want that body. What do they do? And so if they say, you know, this is like, I remember, I don't know if you remember, but when I was younger, I was like obsessed with Victoria's Secret models, obviously, Mm. because all young women are made to be obsessed with Victoria's Secret models. And Miranda Kerr was like, I do Pilates every day. And I just, I love it. And I was like, you know what? I want to look like a six foot tall model. I'm going to do Pilates every day. I'm like five, four, you guys. I'm five, four. I'm not not ever going to be a tall, long model, but I swear I did it every day. And I like wanted so badly to like elongate my body and all blah, 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 blah. And I didn't even like Pilates. I hated it. It was so boring to me. And it's just, that's what we do though. You know, we, we take we use it as a means to an end and we miss that. That's like, you're missing it. You know, you're using exercise to make your body look a certain way. When in reality, like you're missing the entire point of movement. Yes.
0: Like I think we've lost the fun piece of it. And you, you say this too. And I love this because I'm totally, it's like, if you're not puking, fainting or dying, you can push harder. And it's like, no, it
1: doesn't have to be like
0: that. Like it does not have to be like that. Mm -mm. So Mm -mm. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Let's dig into some of the points that you talk about for um, recommendations for women specifically, and and I love this because actually, so your first point, you talk about restorative exercise, walking, and yoga, and it's really funny you say this because even before I read your post, I personally have been incorporating a lot more yoga and a lot more walking in my routine, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like this is really great. And then you talked about it and I was like, sweet. So let's, let's dive into that.
1: Yeah. So I am not a fan of should or should nots, but the one thing I will tell you, you should do is to walk and do yoga more. Um, Mm -hmm. there's just not really a population of women, whether you're recovering from overexercising and under eating or PCOS, or you've never moved at all. Walking restorative movement, yoga, like light stretching literally will always serve you. I just, I stand by that. It will always serve you mentally, physically, and emotionally. I'm talk a little bit about that. So physically speaking, it stimulates what we call, well, there's two branches of your nervous system. So there's a sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. And we want to live mostly in parasympathetic nervous system state. And that's where we relax. It's our relax and digest, you know, rest and digest, whatever. And then your sympathetic nervous system is when you're fight or flight. It's like when you're high alert. When you're in your sympathetic nervous system, your body is not in healing mode. It's not in digesting, right? Like the body processes are put on halt so that you can be vigilant. The blood gets shunted away from your vital organs into your your muscles so that you can run fast and you can catch a tiger, whatever you're doing and (laughs) whatever. Right. So, (laughs) you know, but you don't want to live there. Right. So it's, it's great when we need it. It's great when you're doing a really heavy lift, right? It's great when you're doing hard things, but you do not want to live there. If you live there, your thyroid will be in the tank. Your adrenals will be shot. Your estrogen and progesterone will be all over the place. Like that's not where we want to live. Unfortunately, in today's society, everyone lives in a hypervigilant sympathetic nervous system dominant state. We're stressed emotionally. We're busy. We're not getting enough sleep. We're running around. You know, we're trying to do more and more and more. We've got body image stress. You know, we've got the constant stressor of looking in the mirror and thinking that we're not good enough. You know, people underestimate that, but that's a constant stressor on your mind that's causing your body to think it's under a threat. So any exercise that you can give that stimulates your body to shift into a parasympathetic state in your nervous system is critical, like really amazing. So in today's society, I don't really think there's anybody that would not benefit from doing more restorative exercise because there's so many things in our life right now that will take us out of that relaxed state that anything that you could do to put you there in that mental space and that physical relaxed state is critical. So that's physically And that will have implications for, you know, raising your progesterone, which is really important for keeping your thyroid health active, which is really important. Digestion, that's a really, really big one. Stress is the enemy of digestion. That's huge. Um, And I could talk a little bit more about that biologically if you'd like. But um, there's another study that I put in there that I love. And this is for my ladies struggling with body image or diet culture um, there was a study done on women recovering from eating disorders, and they found that women who regularly um, practiced yoga had a greater sense of body awareness, mm-hmm. and it was defined as a sense of being like at home and connected to your body. And something we've lost, like I've mentioned, as women in diet culture and viewing our body as the enemy is the ability to be at home and and integrated in our body and that like from that place of integration is where you can make intuitive food choices It's where you can make intuitive movement choices. And if you don't have that body awareness Living intuitively is kind of not a thing, right? You rely on outside rules that you get from magazines or people to tell you how to live and how to eat and how to exercise so to me the mental component is huge. You know, practicing body awareness, I think is where your life, like all your life choices can come out of. Uh, so yeah, yoga and walking are just the ultimate, like I say should be the foundation of your movement choices, really get them in stress relief a little bit at night. You can need help going to sleep, just walking more. I mean, it's just, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree because I talk a lot about, um, what it means to like, listen to your body and be in tune with your body. And like that, like you said, is like the number one piece to be making these intuitive choices. Mm -hmm. And if we're not in tune with what our body is asking for, we can't make those choices. Exactly. exactly. Yoga. Yeah. It does give you this beautiful opportunity to go internally and to feel your body and move with your body. And yeah, I totally, totally, totally agree with that. I find that for most people, the hardest part is just starting. Yes.
1: Right. Like everyone's like, no, I don't want to do yoga. I don't want to sit there and just, uh, and I'm like, Hey, just try it. I say that all the time. I feel like all what I spend my time doing 90% of the time is just saying, just try it to all the world. (laughs) Just try it. Just try it. Just it. (laughs) Just try it. Give it two weeks, practice a few times a week and just see like, there's no amount of science that could really explore and describe all of the amazing benefits that we get from just taking moments to chill the F out.
0: Yeah. And everyone thinks too, I think like with meditation, with yoga, it's like, well, I'm doing it wrong or my mind's racing and I can't stop. And it's like, no, there's no such thing as doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, what's going to happen is you're going to sit down. You're going to get quiet for the first time in a really long time. And your brain is going to be like, what the hell? And you are going to have lots of thoughts all at the same time. But it's like, as you practice and as you do it more and as you find instructors you like and place, you know, as you explore, you will finally have those moments of quiet. Like it doesn't happen to me all the time still. And I've been practicing yoga for a while, but like, you will hit those moments of like, Holy shit. Like that Mm -hmm. was, you know, that connection. And so, yeah, I totally agree. Like just freaking try it. (laughs) Yeah. Really?
1: Just freaking try try this. You guys
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally. Um, I will. Okay. I, I do want you to dig a little bit into like, um, you said you could dig into the science piece a little yeah. bit more.
1: The biological component. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So actually this is really important. I haven't talked about this yet, but it's really, really critical. So I want to talk a little bit about your estrogen and progesterone balance. Yes. So your in your cycle. You've got two phases. You've got your follicular phase. It's your first phase and that's when you should be more estrogen dominant in your phase. Then you've got your luteal phase and you should be more progesterone dominant. Now, there's a process in the body called the pregnenolone steel. I'm going to explain what that is. Basically, it describes why stress, all kinds of stress, overexercising, mental, emotional stress, whatever, is the ultimate enemy to progesterone. Progesterone is what Dr. Sarah Godfrey calls nature's valium. Okay. It's what's responsible for keeping you chill and calm and giving you good sleep. It also helps keep your skin clear, helps your periods be manageable that you don't get really bad cramps. It's not super heavy, whatever. So what happens is your body creates a master mother hormone called pregnenolone. And it creates it from cholesterol, which as a side note is why I always have my clients really focus on getting cholesterol-rich foods like egg yolks and good healthy fats and pasteurized meats because our body uses those foods to make this master hormone called pregnenolone. So your body makes pregnenolone and your body decides, okay, it uses it to either make stress hormones like cortisol or DHEA or progesterone. And there is an OR there, okay? So your body only has so much pregnenolone to make, and in, and it has to choose what it's going to use to make it. Now, if you're stressed and you're under a lot of stress, and you've got emotional stress from work, emotional stress from your body hatred, and then you're over exercising, and blah blah blah. There is no time for your body to choose to make progesterone because it's too busy cranking out more and more stress hormones. So guess what? Your progesterone is milch. You don't, you're not making enough, and there's nothing left to challenge the estrogen, so you enter into a, an automatic state of what I call estrogen dominance, or what we call. I'm not the only one who calls it that, but <laughs> we call estrogen dominance. And then you'll experience symptoms like really bad PMS mood swings, heavy periods, really horrible, really just like horrible periods, we get nauseous and bad cramps. You know, if you experience bad PMS or period like menses symptoms, chances are you've got a low progesterone, high estrogen problem. And one of the best things you can do is lower your stress so that your body's demand to make stress hormones isn't as high and it can shunt its pregnenolone to making progesterone. And so that's why I love, that's why we have to think about these things when it comes to exercise. And that's why I say everybody's different. Because if you are someone recovering from overexercising and under eating, or you've got a stressed life, the last, like, you kind of don't really want to go and do a sprint session. You right? Like you don't want to go after you've been sleep deprived, you had a really long day at work. It doesn't matter if you love it, it doesn't matter if it has a lot of health benefits. That's not really the time to do it. You know, it's all in context. I, for example, love weightlifting. Mm -hmm. It's my like it's pretty much one of like the exclusive forms of exercise I do besides yoga. I love it. I love it. However, it doesn't matter how much I want to go. If I've been sleep deprived, if I've been had a really stressful day, or even a stressful season of my life, like I definitely had to cut back purposely. Doesn't mean that I want to, you know. I still miss it, but it's like my body cannot handle this, and I'm not going to allow the, the scarce resources I have to be making my progesterone right now to go towards helping me lift weights or recover from breaking my muscles down, you know, because it is a stressor. And so that's something that you have to take into account that the exercises and the type of exercises that are going to be really beneficial to your body will shift for various reasons. How much sleep you're getting, you know, are you going through just a really stressful season of life? Because I've been there and it's like, I've literally only done yoga for months at a time because it was all I could do. You know, it was all I could take. I didn't want to overload my body. You know, even your age, where are you in your cycle? Like all of these things have implications to your movement choices. And that's something you have to take into account because weightlifting has all these benefits and blah, 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 blah. But if it's going to be a stressor to your body in this moment, then it's not going to be good for you.
0: Totally. Yeah. I like that. I think, yeah, no, everything, (laughs) everything. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It again comes back to being intuitive and making decisions based on what's best for your body at the time. Totally. So. Well, I think that's a good segue because I want to talk about your number two, which is resistance training. Um, yeah, yeah. And I know you said you're, you love it. And I, yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's dig into why you recommend resistance training for women. Okay. <clears throat>
1: well, <laughs> excuse me. As I get, I'm about to get into this. It's my favorite topic. No, I'm glad you asked. So there's two main components. I say this all the time. I always say if you're a woman, I will have probably want, like tried to get you to touch barbell in your life. It's <laughs> there's, and there's two main and there's two main components. One is mental and emotional, the mental component. In a world that urges women to be smaller, trying to get bigger, trying to get stronger, you know, trying to take up more space, even like in a physical, not even just building muscle, but in like a powerful kind of sense is massive to me. It's symbolic to to me personally. Um, I started when I was in the midst of my like diet culture obsession and trying to get smaller, all I did was run. I I, like the way that you were with triathlons. I was with, with half marathons. I ran all the time and I was very, very thin. And I, you know, I like pretty much lost most of my muscle and, and body fat. And I remember in my recovery process, for the first time. And I actually just talked about this on Instagram. I don't know if so, but I talked about like why I got into weightlifting and I experienced an incident, um, where I was pushed around by a man. And I remember feeling physically weak and being like, this is horrible. And, and part of me was like, Jessica, you've been trying to make yourself small. Like why, why, why it's so much easier to get knocked down when you're so small. Um, and, the, and that's not to say small people are easily, you know, whatever. But for me personally, that was symbolic. So I started weightlifting. And the mental and emotional effects I had with trying to be powerful, trying to get bigger, putting on muscle in a world that was like, be small, be weak, you know, don't be powerful, be this. Yep. And actively pursuing a type of exercise that allowed me to feel not that was very symbolic for me as a woman. And not everyone might feel this way, but I found that a lot of women do feel this way. They love it when they give it the chance. Um, it's very empowering. Physically speaking, physically speaking, It's incredible for a number of reasons. So muscle, building muscle is incredibly protective for us as women, A, Mostly because we're a lot more prone to get osteoporosis, especially, especially, especially if you've ever struggled, or if you've ever restricted dieted, if you've ever um, over exercised, if you've ever really restricted your food intake, especially depending on what like how you were eating. Um, chances are you've got weaker bones, and you've got a lot more higher likelihood of developing osteoporosis, and we see that in women a lot, mostly because. Estrogen is produced in fat cells and it's very protective against osteoporosis. But if you're not producing the right kinds of estrogen because you've been trying to lose weight all your life or you're restricting your food, then you don't have as much protection against it. Building muscle is critical in protecting your bones, in increasing your insulin sensitivity, which is something I talk about for both weightlifting and um, high-intensity interval training, critical for my PCOS girls for pre-diabetes, diabetes, that's like... Really, really amazing. Um, not to mention building muscle allows us to just physically be strong. Mm-hmm. Like it allows us to physically do things, carry things, be capable in life. Um, it's also been connected to better sleep, better cognitive function, which is huge for women, especially because... So this is a side note. I'm rambling. You can stop me no, at any this is, I'm just going on and great. on. This is so okay. great. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is a side note, but um, something that we don't talk about a lot is women are chronically usually underfed. It's very common to find women that are chronically underfed and they exhibit symptoms that are just thought to be womenly or just feminine. Mm-hmm. Like they can be forgetful. They can get moody. They can get, Oh, kind of like almost bitsy, right? That that's a stereotype. And I have a large theory and I don't even think it's a theory because there's there's science to back it up. That being underfed, you know, really is actually the main cause as to our lack of intellectual ability that sometimes comes out in our forgetfulness or you know our our mental and cognitive functioning you know i've met a lot of women who have told me you know i'm just not really like, I just forget everything. Or I'm just like, I can't really pay attention in school. I'm not really that smart. And I'm like, honey, you're not eating. Yeah. Like, you like you don't have food to fuel your brain. And now you, you believe this lie about your intellect and your capabilities. But really, that's just basic biolog- bi- biology. Like, you're not feeding yourself. And it's kind of giving into this cycle of what we believe about ourselves as women and about what other people believe about women. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So that's just a side note that I'm very passionate about because I'm like, you know, it like we, anyway, that's another topic for another time, but basically, yes, that's, it's very important. So building muscles is incredible for cognitive ability, sleep. And also it's been shown to give a lot higher sense of accomplishment. Like it's been shown to increase productivity, which I think is really cool. And I think we've all been in places where we feel that like, when I lift and when I have like a, a solid session, I, I feel like this sense of physical and mental accomplishment, which I think is really amazing. And I think women need more of, you know, we need, we need wins in this world. Um, and it's a lot different from that feeling like when you go on a really long run, I found that I used to feel accomplished, quote unquote, because I was like, I burned so many calories. Yes. Right. That was what I felt. And that was a lot. That was a very different sense of accomplishment than what you're actually getting when you're building muscle or when you're focusing on resistance and strength. Training because it's biologically actually like blood flow, physical power, empowerment, all of of those things. So that's why I love weightlifting. There's actually a lot more studies on my blog if you want, if your readers want to see them. I linked like over 30 studies in that post just because I knew it was going to be a controversial one because (laughs) I was going on and I was like, hey, running's actually not the best. And all the girls are like, what are you talking about? Running is all I do. Like that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And I was like, "Mm, maybe not. So
0: yeah. Yeah. And I I will link your, your blog in my show notes so that everyone can see that because it it is, is very informative and has a lot of stuff you can dig more into. Yeah. Um, one quick side note, can you explain PCOS to my listeners?
1: Sorry. Yes, absolutely. So PCOS is polycystic, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's basically our understanding of it now in the medical literature is a lot more, it's a lot different. There's actually been like new names in it, but it's essentially characterized by, um, high androgens. So we've got like things like testosterone, DHEAS, um, a lot of women experience hair growth on the face, uh, Acne along the jawline, irregular periods, um, irritation, aggression. It's essentially for most women, especially that I see, it's insulin sensitivity, irregular periods, high androgens, and sometimes cysts on the ovaries. You don't have to have them. It's only sometimes that happens. And since a critical component of it is some sense of insulin sensitivity, let me explain what that is. Um, So your body secretes, your pancreas secretes insulin in response to glucose in the blood. So let's say you eat a carb and there's sugar in the blood and your pancreas secretes insulin, which is a hormone that takes the sugar and it puts it inside of cells to be used. What happens is when we are constantly having sugar in the blood and you're constantly secreting insulin your cell almost gets like a kid when the mom is yelling at him all the time. She's, he's just like, you know what? This is annoying. Like you're always here. It, insulin's always knocking on my door. Like I'm over, it, I'm over it. So your cells become resistant to the insulin trying to get the sugar into the cell. So then you've got elevated blood sugar because you're there's, it's not getting into the cell. And then that creates a problem obviously for high blood sugar, um, type two diabetes, that sort of thing. So with PCOS, I often love to have my clients practice a mix of weightlifting and high intensity interval training because building muscle and doing hit work sensitize your cells to insulin. So if you're struggling with insulin resistance, like your body's right, so you struggle with high blood sugar, PCOS, pre-diabetes, diabetes, whatever, you need to sensitize those cells back to receiving that insulin. And one of the best ways you could do that is to build muscle and practice sprint work. So that's, Perfect. yeah.
0: Well, good segue then. Cause your next one's high intensity training. <laughs> yes. So let's go ahead and talk about that's number three for recommendations. Yes. So
1: high intensity interval training is definitely, it's third on the list because I did that on purpose. It was like my number one is like yoga for sort of everyone. Weightlifting, yes, because it can be done in so many different ways. Like you can do it in a way that's literally like long rest periods, you know, slow movement, not high tempo, and it's a very low cortisol output type of thing. Yep. High intensity interval training is one of those where there's a lot of benefits. It's shown actually to increase your VO2 max capacity. So, if you, let's say like just from a performance standpoint, if you um, do triathlons or any kind of stamina event, or even like you're an athlete and you don't want to be running long hours to try to increase your stamina, you can practice sprint work and get a better oxygenation capacity for your runs or your games or whatever in a shorter amount of time. It's incredible for that. Um, so it's one of those like, I call it like, the quick hit for a long effect, right? It's amazing. And because sprint work takes you, I mean, you do like six rounds of sprint work and you're done. And that's like what, 15 minutes, you know, and then you're like cooked and that's all you need. Um, so it's amazing for that from a purely performance standpoint. And it's highly, 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 highly effective at what I just mentioned, increasing your insulin sensitivity. It's actually been shown to be just as, if not more effective than one of the most popular drugs on the market for regulating blood sugar, Mm -hmm. which I find to be really fascinating that there's studies on that and it's proof it's like so cool you know to to use something like exercise um that will give the same effect as a prescription medication so my recommendation for that is if you are someone who struggles with PCOS, any kind of insulin resistance, uh, that is like your ticket. You don't want to do it a lot. You know, you're not trying it. it, It's very taxing on the body. It's very short, but it's very taxing. So a couple times, most three times a week, if that's like mostly all that you're doing, I don't want to see you tacking that onto lifting four days a week and this and that, that's just too much. I actually don't do sprint work really anymore just because i haven't been feeling it you know and it. That's, yeah. that's just more of like a like i just haven't been feeling it um for my ladies that are recovering cuz sprint work is one of those where it's really different depending on the person if you're one of those that's recovering from exercise obsession over exercising you're in a stress state in general I'm like, mm, stick to the yoga first, <laughs> like stick to the yoga first, because I find that they, they'll, they'll read that and they'll go, oh my God, yes, I'm totally going to do sprint work. And then they're out sprinting every day. And I'm like, mm, you're missing the point. That's now, that's now a hard, bad stressor on your body. And like I mentioned, everything is in context. So it's great here and there. It's really, sometimes I do it for fun. It's really great at increasing your insulin sensitivity. However, you really have to take into account your stress levels because it's a pretty taxing. Kind of exercise, absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. No, that's so great. Um, well, then let's go into your the where is my notes? Here we go. The the two uh, the three things that you don't recommend, or like the worst types of exercise, yes, for women, yes. And I love number one because this was me. I number one is a chronic, <laughs> it was cardio. all of
1: us, it was <laughs> all of us, Stephanie,
0: <laughs> and it. I love this because I was the type of person that was like if I don't at least get an hour of cardio in every single day then I was not good enough and I did not complete my checklist and it, you know. And so digging into why this is actually harmful in ways I think is amazing like Totally. Let's, let's blow some yeah. tops.
1: Let's, let's, <laughs> let's go into that. So the number one harmful exercise for women that I mentioned is, is cardio, chronic cardio. And the chronic cardio is essentially the kind of cardio where it's steady state and you give the, the, um, the same amount of input over a long period of time. This looks like going out for a long run. It looks like being on the elliptical for a while, you know, being on the stair climber for a while and you're giving the same kind of low grade effort just to get by your, that's basically what it looks like. So here's the biology behind that. You are putting out cortisol in those moments. So over time, you're on the treadmill, let's say you're on the treadmill, or you go for a 45, 50 minute run. Cortisol is being outputted, outputted, outputted. In the same amount over time, there's no dips, there's no rest, there's no ups and downs. Your body perceives that chronic output of cortisol to be, there's a chronic stressor, right? Like we're chronically stressed right now. And most likely it stimulates in the body. There's a famine, which sounds ridiculous. We're like, there's no famine, but you have to understand that your body's mechanisms were developed in times where there were feast and famine and hunting and gathering. And that's the way our body has evolved to perceive things. So when I say that, that's not dumb or an exaggeration. Like that's literally what your body is thinking. There's a famine. There's no food. We are not safe here. Okay. And the best thing I, this is just a side note, but the best way to heal your hormones hormones and keep them balanced is to assure your body that it is safe and fed. Mm -hmm. Two rules, just everything. So, when you take something like long-term cardio where you're chronically outputting a cortisol and I meant I linked a study in this but it in the post but it showed that marathon runners have um, elevated cortisol for like days after their runs which if you're running let's so, so let's say you're running daily or you're running even every other day what does that look like? That looks like chronic cor- cortisol output every single day. It's just raised, all all high. And Take it back to what I just talked about, about and steel. Are you, are you producing progesterone in that state? No, because your body's using all of its energy to produce cortisol and stress hormones. So all that to say, biologically speaking, in its most simplest form, it stresses the body out. It stresses the body out and it tells the body that we're not safe, that we're in a famine because why else would you, you have to think that the body's like, why else would we just be running for long <laughs> periods of time, right? Like unless we're running from something, why are we just running? That's, that's, what, that's the way your body thinks because it's dumb, you know, like it's not dumb. I mean, if you love it, you love it. But like from a bodily perspective, that's not what we want. We don't want to be exerting energy when it's unnecessary to exert energy. So when you're going out for an hour, hour and a half long run, your body thinks that there's a threat causing you to do that. And it can affect your pituitary gland, which is basically or your hypothalamus, I'm sorry. Which is basically what assures your body that you're safe and your hypothalamus will, will perceive a threat, and then they will be down regulated to the rest of your hormone functioning. Like, there's a threat, there's a threat, there's a threat. You know, your thyroid knows it, your ovaries know it, your adrenals know it. And then before you know it, your body's like, there's a famine. We better hold on to the food, we better slow down our metabolism, right? Um, So that's basically what you see. And that's one of the most common things I see is women who start running like, like long periods of time. And then they slowly start gaining weight. They start losing sleep. Their hair might start falling out. And I'm like, yeah, well you've, your body's down-regulated its metabolism and your thyroid has down-regulated its activities because it, it thinks that it needs to conserve energy from all of this stress. You know, you're constantly running, you're constantly burning calories. Let's, So it's it's really smart when you think about it. Your body's adapting. That's what exercise causes us to do. It's adapting. And I always say this, every kind of exercise will produce a given adaptation in the body. Chronic cardio produces the adaptation to slow down its metabolism, to slow down all, really not just its metabolism, but our, the entire bodily processes. That's the adaptation that happens from that exercise. And so when women do it and that adat- the adaptation happens, they get angry. They're like, um, why am I not losing weight? Like, why is this not working? I'm like, well, that's, that's what it's designed to do. That, that's, a, that's a good adaptation. That's what it's doing. So from that perspective, it's stressful on the body. Now, I want to make a side note and say, there are people that love running. Yeah, that's great. I actually like sometimes every blue moon fairly, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, I want to just go run. I just want to go for a run. It's so beautiful. And my advice to you is do what makes you happy, but do it in balance. Yeah, I don't want to see you running long runs every day. Just like, it doesn't like, unfortunately it's just in no context. Will that necessarily be a really good option when we're talking about purely a hormonal health standpoint? Do it in balance with other exercise. Make sure that you're definitely balancing it with yoga and restorative movement, making sure that you're refueling, making sure that you are not doing it while you have other stressors in your life piling on your body. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So again, it's all in context. And I say that, like, I never want to tell someone that they can't do something, but it's all about context and it's all about balance. And unfortunately, for the majority of the women I see, it's not a purely joyful thing. They do it because they want to be smaller. Right. And that's very stressful in of itself too, because you're running and you're like, I hate this, but I just want to be small. And it's like, that sucks too. <laughs> it's horrible. So yeah.
0: No, totally. And this is great. Just segueing right <laughs> to these next points, because number two, you say is anything you hate doing. And I, yeah. think if you're driving from that place, it's definitely coming from this place of like, I need to reach goal X, Y, and Z in terms of like weight loss or being a certain size or being a certain body type. And so let's talk about our shift in that mindset maybe. And um, maybe we can combine the number three, which is any workout that disrespects your limits. So Mm. kind of combining those two things where we're redefining this whole, what is exercise, what is movement, and how can that be something that comes from a place of joy and love for your Mm -hmm. body Mm -hmm. rather than this place of like, I need to be this, I need to be this, and I hate it, you know? Right,
1: totally. No, (laughs) No, I think that's a great great topic of conversation. So in my opinion, the, fair, the before any of those decisions happen of as you deciding what your limit are, you seeing what your limits are and what you like or don't like to do, you need, need, need to let go of the expectations and the rules of what you should and should not be doing, right? Yes. So you can't make decisions from a place of body awareness and um, grace and love and even kindness to your body. If you're still holding on to I should be small. I should be running. I should be burning X amount of calories when I work out, blah, 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 blah. You can't. So the first step has to be letting
0: those go. It has to. Oh, I love that so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, and then you can move into approaching things from a curiosity standpoint, right? Yes. So trying different forms of exercise, trying weightlifting, trying different classes. And you can genuinely with no judgment, with no should or should not, with no shame. Do I like this? Do I enjoy it? Do I need to put another chance? I don't know. Do I like it? Do I not? And then it kind of becomes really easy to decide what you like and what you don't like, right? Yes. So that's great. And then when it comes to the knowing your limits, this takes a little bit more practice. This is something I still even have to hone in, especially for those of us who are overachievers, type A in nature, you know, prone to pushing ourselves just in general, Um, knowing your limits definitely comes from a very body aware place, especially because you have to know like, I can't tell you how many times I've, um, even in my own life experienced or seen women where they're exhausted and they're sore all the time and they don't even think that like that could be due to their over-exercising. They're just like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to work it off. Like it's fine. I just, my body needs to adapt. And we, a, it's one of the reasons I created Holy Healed because there's not enough information out there telling women like, yo, this is not cool. This is not good. This is what this means. But B, that we slow down enough to actually like recognize what's happening in our body. Yes. It's, and, it, and you don't do that until you stop, take a moment and like really get in your body. You just, you just, it's like, it's all, for me, it's like near impossible when I'm busy, yeah. when I'm not paying attention, when I'm in my head, paying attention to my body signs, you know, because your body sends you signs. Symptoms are your body's way of communicating. And I always say that. And they're not something to be hated on. They're not something that they're not, your body's not out to get you. And that's actually, I put this in, I think it was the, the blog post that you linked me to, but the very, my very first blog post that I wrote on Holy Healed, I talked about this, your body is not the enemy. And unfortunately, when we look at our body as the enemy, we don't see symptoms as things to pay attention to. We don't see these things as things to take note of because we're just like, oh, they're trying to get me not to work out or, oh, I'm so over it. When you, when you realize your body's on your side, if you start to experience a little bit of knee pain, you're like, mm, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't squat today. Or you're really tired, and, you know, like let's rest because your body's on your side. It's not enough to get you, you know, and you're one cohesive being and you can make decisions from a grace filled kind and like you and your body on the same team at standpoint.
0: Yes. I, I like that i think is something that is so not communicated in today's world and this is like why i love you and why like i've started my mission as well is because we need to come back to this place of my i trust my body because mm. that's that is where it, it is all coming from is this distrust we've we've broken this connection mm-hmm. we don't trust our bodies to tell us what it needs and so mm-hmm. if we can find that that healing and that connection again, like that is where it all starts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I actually think, you
1: know, when I look at it, I think that where that distrust of our body comes from is in my personal opinion, weight stigma, because Mm -hmm. we see body fat or gaining weight as this horrible thing that is representative of your body going wrong. It's like, it's like, it's like my body's defective if it ever gains weight. And I'm here to tell you from a biological standpoint that's there's nothing actually wrong with that. It is an adaptation that your body has totally normal. It's the way it was like designed to function. You fluctuating in weight. There's nothing horrible about that, but because of that, and because guess what? Fluctuations happen. And if we are if we see anything that has to do with fluctuations or gaining weight as bad, immediately when it does what it's designed to do, we don't trust it. We, yep. think it's defect- we think it's defective. We think it's broken. How could you do this? And that to me is just years and years of diet culture messaging and people feeding lies to us and our, feeding lies to ourselves, you know, like that, that cycle. So that's, in my opinion, like a root lie that you have to dismantle if you're going to practice intuitive eating living and body awareness like you like you can't keep seeing weight fluctuations or body fat is this horrible thing that's representative of your body going wrong i'm here to tell you as someone who has studied the biology and knows the science it is not it is not and it's just we need to be talking about that more because that's at the root of so many women's um issues obviously with exercise in general but also just their bodies everywhere
0: uh I want to I feel like I could talk to you about this. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to have you on again to to so yes. we break that piece down absolutely um, because there's just so much goodness in in this kind of conversation and like so much that needs to be heard and talked about and and questioned and you know so much mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it yeah we're running short on time. <laughs> Um, it went so fast. I like want to ask you so many more questions, but how about we end with you letting our, my, uh, letting everyone know where they can find you and I will make sure I link everything in the show notes, but yes, um,
1: Yes. So, if you want to come and chat and hang out with me, I am at handle on my Instagram is at holy healed. That's whole like a whole pie. W H O L L Y, holy healed, um, and I'm at holyheal.com. And if you're interested in um, emailing me or starting a personal relationship, anything like that, Jess at holyheal.com. So everything's whole healed, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yes, I'll link everything up. I'll link, your, I'll link your first blog post about your body is not the enemy and this mm-hmm. blog post we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Lots of really good stuff to go in. Um, thank you so much for being here, Jess. Yes,
1: thank you so much <laughs> for having me, Stephanie.
0: And um, thanks, everyone, for being here. And we will chat soon. Bye. Bye. thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. And until next time, stay radiant.